Hi, men. Welcome to the Noble Man Podcast, episode number 62. This podcast will be another installment in our tailgate series. You know, everybody loves a good combination, kind of like waffle fries with your Chick-fil-A sandwich. They just go together. So this message from our Noble Man Tailgate series is a great compliment to the Noble Man Podcast. This week, we're bringing you a message that Pastor Josh Franklin from Mount Vernon Baptist Church delivered at our Mechanicsville tailgate. That tailgate was hosted by Mechanicsville Christian Center last spring. Most guys are prone to isolation. Often, it's easier for us to simply keep to ourselves and wrestle through life thinking we're all alone. But that's not how we're designed. Let's listen as Pastor Josh reminds us of the priority of gospel fellowship for men. Well, first, I want to say thank you to Mike and Noble Warriors for hosting this and, and putting all this together. I want to thank uh, the pastors who, are, who have brought their men here. I want to thank uh, our men at Mount Vernon uh, for uh, showing up and being here, uh, being a part of uh, the tailgate tonight. And uh, Pastor Don, uh, who is uh, going to be bringing us the word in just a moment as well. So thank you. I look forward to that as well. You know, in searching uh, my heart and praying, uh, uh, just asking the Lord, what could I share with these men, young men, older men? What could I share with these men from God's word uh, that could be an encouragement to you? And, uh, you know, really... I would like to say for an event like this and what has been endeavored to uh, be put together with these tailgates is really the idea of fellowship, uh, really the idea of fellowship. You know, we get a, that concept in Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 3, where, where Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and uh, the, the, the church at Philippi had heard that Paul was in a Roman prison, uh, he was uh, he, he was locked up and for, for the gospel. And so the church at Philippi wanted to send him a care package, wanted to send him a love gift. And so they send this man, Epaphroditus, uh, with this love gift, with this package, and sends it to Paul. And, and, and as Paul receives this gift, it overwhelms him. And he just remembers all of the incredible ministry that took place when he was in Philippi, when he was starting the church in Philippi. And he starts off, in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 3, where he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That idea of the fellowship of the gospel, it, it, it really means the partnership of the gospel. It means coming together, a sharing together, working beside one another. I never served in the army. Uh, but, uh, but folks who have served in the army, they've told me this, where you can serve in the army, and it doesn't have to be for a really long time. But then years could go by. Uh, decades could go by. And those men, uh, those, those individuals who come back together, who are part of the same troop, they come back together, and almost immediately there's a, there's a connection that is still there. They may have lived life. They may have gone to different states. But then they come together, and the connection is still there. Why? Because there was a sharing together for a common mission, for a common goal. Paul, he's planted this church in Philippi, and he remembers some of the stories. And you can read about those in the book of Acts, where he's there praying with uh, some of the ladies there, uh, with Lydia, for instance, and some of the ladies there, they've got a prayer meeting. 
Then he's going and, and uh, sharing the gospel, listening to this servant girl who is uh, demon-possessed. This servant girl who is a fortune teller, uh, t- telling fortunes. Finally, Paul casts the demon out of her. She's set free. Now she can't fortune tell anymore like, she's, like she once could. And so, the, so the, the people in the town, they rise up against, uh, against Paul and, and lock him up. They, they put him in jail. They have a worship service in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, the chains are broken. The, the, the jailhouse is rocked. And people are able to leave. They're able to escape, but they don't. The jailer is sitting there, and he, sa- and he sees everything that has happened. He says, well, I'm, I'm as good as dead anyway, so I might as well go ahead and kill myself. Paul says, no, wait, we're all still here. His response in Acts chapter 16 is, sirs, how must I be saved? How can I be saved? He's heard the gospel from the jail cell. He's heard them singing even in the midst of their chains. This is how the church at Philippi was started. Jesus, uh, Paul would respond by saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. They were saved. The, uh, Lydia you know, opens her house to start this church. Uh, you've got the servant girl who is set free by the power of God. You, you have uh, the, the, the jailer who is transformed and baptized and uh, praise the Lord. All of this is going on in Paul's mind when the, ch- when the church at Philippi, who hears that Paul's in prison many years later, uh, uh, says, Epaphroditus, let's gather this gift together and send it to Paul just to encourage him. Hey, here's a good question. Is it a good mission trip if all you're doing is going overseas or going to a group of people who are actively serving the Lord? Is it a mission trip? just to send a care package yes it is you've got the ones who are preaching the gospel you have got the ones who are sharing the gospel and and they're right on the front lines and here the church says let's gather together some stuff to be a an encouragement to them and let's send it to paul he's in prison we can't go there with him but we can send epaphroditus in, in Philippians chapter 2, at the end of that chapter, it describes Epaphroditus. And it says, we should hold these men in high regard. People like Epaphroditus, he says, he even, he even got to the point of death. He was sick to the point of death doing that which you could not do. To encourage me, his heart is overwhelmed by the love of this church at Philippi. And his response is, Let's write him a letter. And in that moment, what does he write to begin with? What does he start it off with? He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Every time I think of you, there's joy in my heart. And, And he said, why? Remember what we did several years back when we came together, partnered together, (laughs) when we gathered together and and founded that church and started that church in your city, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What brings us together? Jesus Christ has changed our lives. 
Uh, he, has, he has put this incredible burden in our heart to be a gospel witness in our, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in, our, in, in the different spheres of influence that we have. The gospel brings us together. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you for your partnership in the gospel. Sometimes we have this uh, desire. We, we all have this desire for fellowship. And we, and we think fellowship is, you know, cookies and Kool-Aid, right? We, we, we think fellowship is getting together and just talking. But the biblical idea of fellowship is far deeper, far deeper than that. The biblical idea of fellowship is there's a partnership. There's koinonia is the Greek word. It, it means a sharing together. We have a common mission, a common goal. Paul says, I remember that we came together for the gospel in Philippi. And though I am many, many miles away, and you're many, many miles away, I haven't seen you in many years, I cannot help but remind myself with joy every memory I have of you. This is fellowship. You say, I, I need that, Pastor. I need that. We all need that. Now, oftentimes, we'll say something like this. I'm just not connecting. I, I, I just need some Christian men uh, to, to, to come around me, to, to partner with, to lock arms with, to fellowship with. I need good Christian male fellowship. And you're right. But God's answer to our loneliness is to share together in something bigger than ourselves. Uh, they came together for something that was bigger than themselves. The founding of a church, the gospel being preached, people's lives being transformed. And even though they were in the prison, even though they were uh, down at a prayer meeting, even though this, this miraculous event occurred where a demon-possessed girl was set free, all of that was bound up in this idea of the founding of this church. That's partnership. Sometimes, uh, you know, we're looking around to just have a good conversation with someone, and I just need a good friend. Can I tell you God's answer to your loneliness, uh, to my loneliness? It's biblical fellowship. Biblical fellowship. Oftentimes, we're looking for a friend when God needs another soldier in the army. <laughs> we're looking for a buddy, you know, when God needs someone to help partner together in the gospel. Uh, many of my closest friends in, in, over the years, many of my closest friends have been those who I have shared the gospel ministry with. I, I, you know, and, and what happens? It is the quickest way for you to get close to other men, to, 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 to create friendships, bonds that will last a lifetime. Where just in a similar way as those uh, retirees from the army, they, they say 10, 15, 20, 30 years can go by. And then I see, I see old Joe, uh, you know, and, and I begin to connect with him. And there's an immediate remembrance. There's an immediate connection. There is partnership. It's far deeper than a friendship. And how does that happen? To get busy serving the Lord. <laughs> you know, you know uh, 
if we had the job of digging a ditch, you know, and, and you told me my job was to dig this ditch, and so here I am, I've got the shovel in my hand, and I'm digging this ditch, and I'm digging this ditch, I'm digging this ditch, and then all of a sudden I look beside me and I see you there, <laughs> and you're digging the ditch too. Now, now we, we both have the same mission. We have the same goal, huh, and we're right beside one another. Now we have a shared mission. We have partnership. When we're sharing the mission of Christ, our, our, our goals are the same. Our church's goals are the same, or they should be. Our church's, our men's ministry goals should be the same. We're coming together. I thank God for uh, someone like Mike who, who has brought together churches from all over. Why? Because our mission is the same. And you're, you're serving the Lord in your context. I'm serving the Lord in my context. I've got my shovel in my hand, and I look beside me. I notice you've got a shovel in your hand, and there's an immediate connection that is being made. Paul had no connection with these people in Philippi except for the fact that they had been transformed by the power of the gospel. He had been transformed by the power of the gospel. Now let's do something beautiful together. Let's do something together for the Lord. And now years could go by, and there was still a connection that was there. Paul had Epaphroditus. He said, hold these men in high regard. Right before in Philippians chapter 2, toward the end of that chapter, he highlights Timothy, and he says, I have no one like Timothy. There's no one that cares for other people's needs like Timothy cares for my needs. Now, that didn't happen overnight. The truth is, Paul would write to Timothy in 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy, and even toward the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he would say, the things that you have heard from me, Timothy, I want you to put these into the hands, into the hearts of other faithful men who are able to teach others also. So the same thing that Paul did for Timothy is the same thing Paul was saying, Timothy, you have a responsibility to do this for others as well. In uh, a relay race, I wasn't very good, but I was on the relay team. And I remember the, 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 the focus, most of those races, those relay races, most of them are won or lost in the transfer zone. It, you know, you can run as fast as you want to run, but if the handoff with the baton fails, then you're disqualified. If you get out of the lane, certainly. But passing the, the baton, all I can tell you is the, the real concern on my heart as I continue, I've been married for 20 years, I've got young sons of my own, um, you know, I've been in ministry for almost 20 years and as long as i have lived so far things have ha things have changed paul is off the scene the timothys are on the scene and now the timothys become the pauls now the timothys have an obligation to transfer it to the next generation as well we have an obligation you have a mission in front of you. I had an incredible blessing 
of having a godly man as a father growing up. He wasn't perfect. He had no seminary education. He didn't have any college education. He was a carpenter by trade, but yet knew how to pray. He only, I, I, I learned how to pray by watching my dad. I would walk down the stairs and, and I would have to interrupt him to, to ask him a question. And he never minded it. But, uh, but you know, I, I would walk down and, and almost stumble into him praying. I would come home from school. Many kids grew up and they would say, uh, they would say my parents asked me, how was school today? My, my parents never asked me that question. Is that shocking? I, I, I never had a, one of my parents say, say, how was school today? But my dad, I remember, my dad, he would say, do you see that guy over there? And I would look out my window and I would see a guy walking down. He said, that man, I was, I, I was just able to talk to him and I was able to pray with him to receive Christ. What I'm saying is, Two and a half years, yes, I moved up here. I praise the Lord for coming up here. I, I, I love it up here. Two and a half years ago, my dad was promoted to heaven. And the hardest thing I've ever done is to preach my dad's funeral. But it was a powerful moment to see the investment that he had made in so many lives. A simple carpenter, Someone who could build a, something from scratch, but, uh, you know, build a building from, from the ground level up, and yet lived his life in such a way where he passed the baton to me. Dad's off the scene. I had a mentor. In 2005, God allowed me to interact with a man named Bill Bennett, who was in North Carolina. He was a chaplain of the seminary that I went to. And I met him when he was 81. Uh, I was 25. I'd prayed for a mentor, somebody who I could look up to in ministry and teach me things that I, I didn't know how to learn on my own. And God gave me this man. And it was fascinating how God used him to invest into me, just as Paul invested into Timothy. You know, it was about three years ago that Dr. Bill was promoted to heaven. My point is, that's the cycle of life. And just as Paul exits the scene, now you and I have an obligation. I was thinking of Joshua and Moses. You know, you have Joshua and Moses. Think about it. This incredible figure, Moses, who is leading the people of Israel, and then he dies. And in Joshua chapter 1, God speaks to Joshua and says this phrase, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now lead these people. And he uses this phrase, be strong and courageous, three times. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Moses is dead. You and I are looking for fellowship. We need one another. We need to say like the Apostle Paul, man, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you for your partnership in the gospel. We lock arms together. We're stronger together. We have a common mission. We have a common goal. But there's going to come a day when Paul, that person that you 
in, that you had invested in you exits the scene, gets promoted to glory, and now you're here. My question to each one of us is, who are we investing in? My mentor once told me, every man needs a Paul, someone that they can look up to. But every man needs a Timothy to look around and say, who is in my sphere of influence? You say, nobody's looking at me. Yes, they are. It could be a grandson. It could be a son. It could be a nephew. It could be a, a, a young boy down the street. Some young man, some young boy is, uh, is looking up to you and would love for you to put the baton in their hand. And the question is, the, the phrase that keeps coming to my mind is, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus has transformed our life by the gospel. He has, he has poured his spirit into our hearts. We have been invested in by other men. And now it's our turn. Do you have a Paul? Someone that you look up to? I still look up to men all the time, even though uh, these two great, incredible men in my life exit the scene and were promoted to heaven. But it's an incredible stewardship. Who is around me that I can pour into, that I can faithfully take that baton that was passed to me and pass it to another. Paul had Timothy. Paul had Epaphroditus. Who do you have? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each man. Lord, I, I thank you for the fellowship that we have because we, we come together just locking arms uh, under the banner of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are our Lord and Savior. If there's any man in this audience who has never said, Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior, who has, who has never said, come into my life. I'm a sinner, but come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Transform me. Help me be the Christian that you want me to be. May I never be ashamed of you. Lord, we praise you that you have transformed our life but Lord, you've transformed us so that we can share that gospel message with others as well. Lord, you want to do a great work with all of us together. You want us to build ministries, build churches, make a gospel impact. Father, may we lock arms faithfully. Lord, I, I ask you right now uh, to convict our heart. Show us by your Holy Spirit what is it that you have placed inside of our hands that we can be doing in service for you so that we can see the fellowship, the biblical partnership in the gospel. We can be encouraged in our everyday life. Father, I pray that each man here would have a, a biblical version of the Apostle Paul in their life. Investing in them. But Lord, I pray that you would show each one of us who we can invest in. And Father, I thank you that in this moment, you help us not be content with, 
to just live for ourselves. And instead, we live our lives in light of eternity. Lord, may we be about building your kingdom. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for allowing me to share tonight. Thank you, Mike. So here's the challenge. Men, are you connected with some other guys in these life-giving gospel partnerships? Do you have someone to whom you've given permission to speak truth into your life? We all need some buddies like this. We were designed and built for community. It's dangerous to do life alone. Check out our show notes for references, as well as links to Pastor Josh's personal webpage and his church page. Men, if you were blessed by this message, would you share it with someone? It would be a blessing to us if you would take time to give us a review and a rating on your podcast service. We'll look forward to catching you next time on the Nobleman Podcast. God bless you.